0: Matthew chapter 14 verse starting from verse 22 and um, as you guys are turning there I'll be reading out of NLT Um, so yes let me open us up in prayer um, as we get started with service let's pray God I thank you Lord Jesus for this day Father I thank you for this church and I thank you God that your word has never failed us Father, I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are a God that does not disappoint, Father, that you will not put your own name to shame. So, Father, as we come to your word today, God, as we enter into your presence as a congregation and as a ministry, Father, I pray that you would speak your personal word to us, God. Lord, I pray that our hearts would be like fertile soil. And, Father, what you sow into our hearts in this season, would you bear fruit, Lord Jesus? Give us faith today, God. Help us to have eyes to see and ears to hear you. Help us to remember the promises that you have spoken over our lives, the promises that you have spoken over this season, Lord Jesus. We fix our eyes upon you, God, and I pray that you would fill us with your spirit. You would fill us with a new revelation of yourself. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right. Matthew chapter 14, verse starting from verse 22, we're just going to go straight into the word and we'll kind of go verse by verse or section by section. But um, this passage is a pretty well-known passage. This is when Jesus walks on water. And actually right before this, just as a little bit of context, um, is when Jesus feeds the 5,000. And so basically the d- disciples had gone through a crazy miracle and manifestation of Jesus. They looked literally saw bread multiply in their hands as they're giving it out. And then immediately after, Jesus sends them out. And this is where we find this passage. So, starting from verse 22. It says this. Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. After sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray night fell while he was there alone now y'all know if you have heard any like literary devices you guys will know that something's about to go down right we know this passage we know by the title you know this section in our bible that's broken up and it says jesus walks on water it's kind of a spoiler alert but we know that in this is oftentimes the scene that is set before something crazy happens Now, many times we've heard the saying, the best is saved for last. You know, last but not least, the best is saved for the very end. But in this case, the best is actually saved for after. You see, this was the aftermath of a crazy miracle. This was, this is basically after the retreat or after the mission trip. This is what happens when the deed has been done. It's like identity, you know, as if you went to identity and it's like the final night, you know, everyone starts crying, you know, everyone's already went up to the altar. They've had their moment and this is on the bus ride home. It's as if you were you went to Mexico on a mission trip. Maybe some of you guys with your church or with with Nyo, and you guys saw crazy things and you saw you know miracle signs and wonders. And you this is this is you knocking out on the bus ride home. I remember some of those rides were the best times of my life because it was the best dreams and visions. It was the best sleep I had gotten. I remember in twenty thirteen EP summer. It's a month long mission trip in Mexico and. This was actually uh, the same kind of mission trip that I met Karen teacher and Nathan teacher, come on somebody, 2018. But in 2013, it was a a very different year because um, we had EP summer for three weeks. And then the very last week was a trip called MYO. And this is where all the youth, like hundreds of people come together. So that year, EP summer actually ended right before MYO started. And so MYO became an option for people who wanted to stay. But technically EP summer had ended. So I had gone on this trip. I had done EP summer and I I was one of the few that decided to stay for MYO. And so I remember as, as EP ended, right, most of our team went away. There were about 30 something people on our team, about 20 something people had left. And so it was less than 10 of us that remained for MYO. The trip itself was pretty good. It was like okay the kids are having kind of a hard time you know like they they weren't like you know crazy blessed but you know it was a good trip right it was we did what we could we tried our best we love the ninos we learned some spanish it had ended and and when nyo came we were only there just to participate we were only there just to kind of like you know just to stick around right there was nothing for us to do left and i remember we were trying to decide like what to call ourselves we We're like should we call ourselves the leftovers <laughs> like should we call ourselves and we decided to call ourselves the remnant come on somebody i love that name the remnant right just to encourage ourselves a little and i remember it was about a few days into nyo and all of a sudden, we have um, we have someone tell us, hey, we need to take the kids and we need to basically entertain them for a couple hours. At back then, you know, there was supposed to be a program that was set, but things got changed and mixed around. And because we had been with the kids, the, the Mexican kids, all summer, they're like, can you guys just take the kids to this person's house and just like have like a party? Or something so I was like the last minute we're like okay you know we don't have anything better to do right we had already done we, we taught English we taught them how to follow Jesus we had our services so this was the aftermath and I remember we, we took them to this person's house and it was just like a, a garden like a ranch we had some food and then Andrea actually the leader of our mission trip she said, she asked my friend, she was like, hey, can you just share like a Bible story to the kids, you know, just so that they learn something. So we're like, okay, so we gather all the kids, right? They're like, they have their chimichangas, like their mouths still have like cheese on them. And she starts sharing the gospel. And it's, a, it's, it's like a five minute gospel presentation. It's like Jesus came to make us pure, you know, amen. And at that point, I was pretty tired. I was like, oh, amen, you know, what a great way to end the trip. And she does an altar call. And she says, if any of you guys want to receive Jesus, come to the front. If any of you guys want to become a missionary in the future, come to the front now at this point I'll be honest with you guys I was having a hard time it was a hard time in my life all right so I was like okay we'll go up to the altar call right but I was like I don't even want to pray you know I was just like let me just chill on the side like close my eyes you know just kind of like pray until service ends right now normally if you've been with kids especially if you've been with kids for VBS in San Telmo Mexico y'all know what altar calls sound like oftentimes it sounds like kids screaming and pulling teachers Hairs. It sounds like teachers saying, like, no, shh, know shh. Like, Miguel, shh, we're praying right now. You know, it sounds like kids running around. It sounds like people fighting and things. It's, it's, it's very rambunctious, but this time was different. This time, instead of yelling, it was silence. And my, my eyes are still closed at this point, but I started to hear voices. And these weren't the broken Spanish voices that I was used to hearing, like Dios, (laughs) gracias, you know, from the teachers. But this was like, I was hearing Spanish. I was hearing like voices of children. And I'm like, wow, that's like, that's kind of weird. And I opened my eyes and every single child was praying. I opened my eyes and like the first graders that would stone me in the mornings, right, throw rocks at me. They were praying, they were lifting up their hands. Some of the older kids that were like, you know, too cool for school, they were praying. All of a sudden, one by one, they just started weeping. They started weeping. And like, it wasn't even like we were guiding them. It wasn't a crazy altar call, but all of a sudden the Holy Spirit fell upon the kids. There's one kid named Julio Cesar, which is like, you know, the the like, one of the most difficult, he was known as one of the most difficult children of that summer. And he comes to the front, he says, God, I want to be a missionary. And it was nothing like we ever expected. And in that moment, God was saying, I do not work according to your timeline. And and I think that that goes to show that sometimes the best is not just saved for last, but the best is saved for after. Sometimes the craziest things that we see in the kingdom of God happen after the final service closes happen after the mic drops, after the lights close, after the mission trip ends, after the retreat ends, after we expect everything, after our planned things have come to an end, sometimes the best things happen to those that are willing to stay and remain So amen that we are called remnant, you know, for those of you guys in college. And at EM, I declare that over us. But all that to say, we know that in this, God is setting up the scene for something miraculous. Because they had just seen something crazy. They went to the service. They went to the hype. They saw the crowds. But at this point, the crowds had started to leave. The night began to fall. And this is the exact moment that Jesus sets up his disciples for something crazy. So let's keep reading. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land for a strong wind had risen and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on water. Now I just want to give y'all some context. It says they were in trouble far away from the land. A strong wind had risen and about three o'clock in the morning, basically what had happened was jesus was like i'm gonna dismiss the p- crowds you guys go on ahead of me i'm gonna go pray for a bit right but it was not a bit it was nine hours basically from the time that jesus had dismissed them it was from dinner time to 3 a.m now no matter how holy jesus was in my simple nature if i was one of the disciples i'm like jesus you are a little too late like have you ever been with someone that was just always a little too late or have you yourself been someone <laughs> that was a little too late and you just missed a little too much of what was going on i remember at, at fa- my my first year living in mexico we had to drive up for a jail service and um and it was like a standard it's like a 6 hour drive right and the drives in mexico are like like some of the most anointed times of sleep i think the one anointing i got in mexico was just to sleep anywhere anytime whenever you know no matter what right and i like you know i was like i had i was supposed to be communicating because we're meeting people from America you know we're trying to coordinate things and I remember I started texting people and five minutes into the drive I just knocked out for like six hours right and I'm knocked out I'm like sleeping like I'm having the time of my life and then I wake up to a call about four hours later and I'm like hello hello like what's going on like trying to sound like I haven't been sleeping they're like where do we go and I'm like what like we're going to jail (laughs) you know like what are you talking about they're like Eleanor, where have you been? And I'm like, what do you mean? Like, we're just driving to jail. And then I had found out that in the four hours, like, all these crazy things that happened with people that we were supposed to meet up with, their car broke down, they ran out of gas, they ran out of money, or like, like the food was like, not working out. You know, everything had, and all these crazy things were happening. Meanwhile, I was knocked out like a baby, right on the trip. And I just felt so embarrassed. I was like, trying to make it seem like, oh yeah, I knew that, like. Of course, you know, I was just tre- testing, you know, just checking, you know, but I was a little too late. I, I, I missed it, you know, I, I came a little bit too late. I remember one one more story about this is, and this, this just shows how sinful I am, but I, I lived in, one um, time I was studying abroad and I had a roommate, right? And we would often cook for each other. And I remember one day I was trying to be like really nice. I was feeling really generous. So I made myself a lamb chop dinner right, but they come in too, so I was like, you know what, I'll make my roommate a lamb chop dinner, right, so I make it, it's delicious, you know, like, and I text her, I'm like, hey, you know, I got dinner for you, don't worry, I got you, you know, it's going to be waiting for you when you come home, she's like, oh, thank you so much, right, and, and I wait, you know, and a couple hours pass, and I'm like, I'm kind of hungry, so I think I'm just going to eat my, my portion first, right, and then she'll just eat it later, you know, because I'm hungry, right. So I eat it and then a few hours pass again and she's still not here at home to the point where I feel like I had digested my first lamb chop and I was like, I'm kind of hungry again. (laughs) I'm still hungry, you know? And I'm like, is she, did she forget? Like maybe she forgot and got dinner already, right? And I started rationalizing things in my mind. I was like, you know what? It's cold already. It's not even going to be a good lamb chop dinner. I should just eat it. I should just eat the dinner that I made for her, right? And then a few more hours pass, and it's like midnight at this point. And I'm like, I'm just going to eat it. Forget it, you know? And so I end up eating the lamb chop dinner that I had made for my roommate. And she comes home like 10 minutes after that. She's like, where's my dinner? I thought you said you made something for me. And I was so embarrassed and I was so sad. But all that to say, had there ever been times where it felt like you or someone you know, someone you know, was just a little bit too late. I think this may have been how Jesus seemed to the disciples because he sent them off, and he's like, "Well, I'll meet you. You guys go ahead of me." And nine hours pass, and he's just praying. Jesus is by himself. He's just praying. He's interceding, and at this point, I like jesus you can pray on the boat right like why you keep us waiting why you keep us hanging but i believe that jesus even when he seems late in our lives his timing is perfect even when it feels like we have waited too long even when it feels like too much has passed even when it feels like he has missed the mark jesus's timing is perfect so let's read on what happens it says About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came towards them walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, it is a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once and says, don't be afraid, take courage. I am here. Now, I just want to take this moment and pause and say that many times as we are in seasons and as we, it feels like we are in a season of waiting and wrestling, maybe in a storm, maybe a spiritual storm or an emotional storm that we are going through, many times God has already started working in our lives, but we cannot recognize it because God is the only one that does something new. I think for many of us here, there may be some people that it feels like you're still wrestling. <clears throat> Excuse me. It may feel like you're still going through the the. And it may feel like you're still waiting upon God's promises. But for some of you, I think God has already started to walk towards you. Jesus has already started to come towards you. And we may not recognize it at first because it is so new. And let me say this. Many times we fall into the trap of familiarity. Because what the enemy does is that the enemy can only use what he has used for ages to come. He is not a creator. He is one of the least creative Beings in the universe. He only has old news. He only uses old tricks. And so many times what we face and when we battle with is the same old fears, the same old insecurities, but Christ Jesus. He is the one that creates something new in the place of old discouragement he is the one that speaks new life that creates new testimonies in the places where we have felt the same old things over and over again where we feel like we've been struggling with the same things over and over again jesus is doing something new so i just want to just just pause for a moment and encourage you guys for some of you guys god has already started working god has already started moving god has already started to provide for something and maybe we have not recognized it at first because it is so new but that does not mean he's not coming towards you that does not mean he is not moving towards you if the disciples even had trouble recognizing jesus in the flesh be encouraged that we may not always recognize it but we can trust that he is coming We can trust that Jesus was walking towards us. So moving on, then Peter called to him, Lord, if it is really you, tell me to come to you walking on water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over to the side of the boat, walked on water towards Jesus. Now, I know we're going verse by verse, but I really believe that this is a really important moment this is a turning point in the story and many of us we may have heard the story before right the disciples are on the boat jesus is walking towards them and peter gets out he's like peter you know like jesus if that's you tell me to come And jesus tells him to come and peter walks on the water but the crazy thing is if i imagine myself in a situation and if i were peter i would not have prayed that kind of prayer the first thing i would have said well jesus if that's you then calm the waves calm the storm, change my circumstances, but rather than changing the circumstances, rather than calming the storm, Jesus tells Peter to do something at what might seem like the least convenient time, right? If I was Peter, thank God I'm not, right? But if I was Peter, I'd be like, Jesus, you're telling me to come, but do you not see that I have, this is kind of unrelated, you know? I know, like, I know you call me to follow you right now, but there's a storm, you know? There are waves, we've been battling this out. And it may feel like the times that Jesus calls us to come to him will sometimes feel like the most inconvenient times of our day. It will make, sometimes see like seem like the least plausible the least reasonable times of our lives maybe the seasons that it feels like we have a million things going on maybe in seasons where you feel like there's there's the future ahead of you there's the responsibilities besides you there's your past behind you and it feels like you're surrounded and it feels like this is the worst time for you to come to Jesus or maybe the worst time for you to come and start serving Or maybe the worst time for you to come and really, really realign your faith with God. But let me tell you, faith is the opposite of convenience. And many times Jesus precisely calls us to go to him at some of the least convenient, least reasonable, least understandable times in our life to show us that he is not just here to change our circumstances, but he's here to change us. I remember even in college, I would get challenged time and time again. By by times where like the times I felt like God was calling me to serve the most would often be the times where I felt the most busy, the the times where I felt the most pressured by my schoolwork, the times where I felt the most insecure, the times where I felt the most uncertain, the least holy times in my life where I felt like man I'm not doing well, I can't I'm not like holy I'm not feeling things from the Lord right now and it's in these moments that God tells me to come because He says it's not your convenience it's not your understanding that draws me to call you but i will call you in these moments not just so that you can i can calm the waves but that's so you can walk in water and i think sometimes you're so happy we're too content asking god god will you calm the waves will you calm the storm when in fact jesus wants us to ask him will you allow me to walk on water so do not fret if you feel like you're in a place where you're not in a good place Do not fret if you feel like you're not aligned with God enough to start serving. Do not fret if you feel like you're not holy enough, that you haven't built up enough personal disciplines. It's in these very times, it's in the place of inconvenience that God calls you. It's where he called Peter, and it's where he's calling some of you today. And I believe that in these places, in the least expected moments, are when some of the craziest and most miraculous things happen. One, just one more story is I, I, as I'm sharing this. I remember one thing that I really admire about um, the founder of For Christ Mission, Pastor Paul Suh, is that he literally, like, he does not, this is one of the most, Um, admirable but also sometimes frustrating or unexpected things is that he does not follow anyone's schedule right there's a joke that everything on missions is, is written in pencil but more like everything with with pastor paul said is written in like clouds or air like he's like he's prone to change at any given moment right i remember in bolivia i think 2016 actually um we were praying we you know we were in the middle of a mission trip and we were about to pray for a meal right and they're like hey uh mikey can you open this can you pray for the meal right and at this point i'm like you know i'm hungry you know, we've been praying for like nine hours, right? We've been skit training. You know, we've been serving. So, like, when it's meal time, it's meal time. Like, I am ready to go. I'm like, get my grub on. You know, I have like, I I'm like stretched. I stretch my fingers so I could, like move the fork faster. I'm like ready. I'm ready to eat. I'm ready to chow down. And we're like, okay, Mike, you pray for the meal. And all of a sudden, most well, starts to, um, Pastor Paul says starts to, say like. Mikey, keep praying, right? And then he starts preaching. And then in the middle, like, we are literally in line. Like, we had a buffet. I had a plate in my hand with a fork. And I was about to reach for, like, a food. when he's like, you know, everyone, start praying. Everyone, close your eyes. In the screen of your mind, picture your mom and dad, right? And he starts preaching. And he goes off for, like, 30 or 40 minutes. And he starts doing an altar call. If you want to receive Jesus Christ, into your life raise your hand, right? And people are like trying to like balance their plate and like raise their hand, right? And, and that service, I remember like before a meal, one of the people on our team received the gift of tongues like in line for a buffet <laughs> in the middle of the day. And many times what I learned what I from him, Pastor Paul said, is that God often calls us in the least convenient times, in the times that we do not expect but if you're willing to say yes to God in these times, if you're willing to say yes to God in the middle of your day, in the middle of your work, as you're about to eat, as you are waking up, as you are in the, the, the worst times of your weeks or your days, I believe that this is the sweet spot this is some of the sweetest moments that we can encounter with christ and in the same way the crazy thing about this passage i mean we've read this so many times but it's crazy that the first thing that peter asked and the first thing that jesus did was not anything about the waves it was not anything about the storm but it was simply jesus told peter to come and in peter's response to him he walked on water now, what happens after? And we know that this is this is already like building up. You know, he's like, wow, like we see Jesus. He's walking on water. And then Peter starts to go, but this happens to Peter. What often happens to us as we move on? It says, So Peter went over to the side of the boat and walked on the water towards Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. Why you have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. Now, we just talked about how Jesus changes first ourselves before he changes our circumstances. And many times we see this as a a weakness, In in Peter's character you know when when he's he's like walking on water and all of a sudden he gets distracted his vision towards Jesus begins to falter and often what distracts us is not anything new but it's lack of focus in Jesus many times we think that you know when when a new thing comes our way that that we that's what discourages us but for me what has been discouraging in my life are the seasons not when I faced incredible pressure from the outside but when my eyes began to wander but in this moment, Jesus, Jesus reaches out. When Peter says, save me, Lord, Jesus reaches out and grabs him. And he says, you have such little faith. Why did you doubt? Now, there's two things I want to say about this moment. Number one, I believe that what happens with Peter physically, when Peter cries out to Jesus and says, save me, Lord, and God reaches his hands out and saves him, this is often a picture of what happens to us when we pray. Now, I know we've heard about prayer many times, but I believe that when we pray, there are oftentimes, even for myself, when I come to the Lord, sometimes I approach prayer as if it's like me, like begging God. Like, God, please, please move. Like, please hear me, God. You know, and there are times where it feels so dry. And I'm like, God, like, do you, like, do you hear me? Are you punishing me? Are you, are you, like, making me wait? But when you look at Psalm 18, and I actually want to take some time and read a few verses from Psalm 18. I believe that this is an amazing picture of what happens in the spiritual realm when we pray. Um, Psalm 18, and you don't have to turn there, but I'll be reading for verses 4. And says, this is David. The ropes of death entangled me. The floods of destruction swept over me. The grave wrapped its ropes around me. Death laid a trap in my path. But in my distress, I cried out to the Lord. Yes, I prayed to my God for help. He heard me from his sanctuary. My cry to him reached his ears. Then the earth quaked and trembled. The foundations of the mountains shook. They quaked from because of his anger. Smoke poured from his nostrils. Fierce flames leapt from his mouth glowing coals blazed forth from him he opened the heavens and came down dark storm storm clouds were beneath his feet mounted on a mighty angelic being he flew soaring on the wings of the wind he shrouded himself in darkness veiling his approach with dark rain clouds thick clouds shielded the brightness around him and rained down hail and burning coals the lord thundered from heaven the voice of the most high resounded amid hail and burning coals He shot his arrows and scattered his enemies, great bolts of lightning flashed, and they were confused. Then at your command, O Lord, at the blast of your breath, the bottom of the sea could be seen, and the foundations of the earth were laid bare. He reached out from heaven and rescued me. He drew me out of deep waters. Now, I don't know about you, but this is not the picture I get when I pray. Right. But this is exactly what happens when one man, this isn't even like a crazy prayer meeting. This is not a conference. This is not a revival service. This is one man, David, a weak man, a flawed human being, someone that had many sins, someone that was very, very limited in his humanity. He cried out to God. And this is the image of what happens. Now, many times when I cry out to God, I'm like, God, I like come like a beggar. I'm like, God, please, like, please, will you listen to me? Will you please? Like, but many, many times we do not see in the spiritual. And what we see in the physical limits what we see in the spiritual. But I believe that every time we pray, every time we come to the Lord, he like if you can just imagine a thunderous war it says the earth quaked and trembled at the sound of the lord's voice that the mountains parted and i just imagine this magnificent like earth shattering thing but that is exactly what jesus does for us when we pray many times people do not see the power in prayer because they think that we are just praying to empty god to an, to a deaf ear to blind eyes, but little do we know that when we cry out to Jesus, that this is the image of what happens, he reaches down from heaven and he grabs hold of us. Um, the only the only picture I could come up with this is I don't know if you guys have been watching TV shows. I know uh, Chuhi, you got, you've been watching Running Man. Some of y'all have been watching anime. As for me, I've been watching This Is Us. All right, it's a great show. I don't know if you guys have heard of it, but it just makes you emotional. It makes you cry. I think the goal of the show is to make people cry, right? I think they're sponsored by Kleenex or something. But this, this is a really like family oriented show and it talks about a family right and there's a man named jack and he's like the father like he's like this like amazing like perfect human being right and it just shows like (laughs) yeah every pastor loves that show amen (laughs) i love it too we'll do a watch party right um but jack right he's like the most like um Christ-like father. That's what Jason says. He's like, he's the most Christ-like father I've seen on television. And the, the main premise for the first few episodes is how Jack ends up dying. And it's kind of a mystery for the first few episodes. But what we find out, and this is a spoiler alert, if anyone has not known at this point, but Jack actually ends up dying in a fire. And what happens is the house catches on fire, right? And he's, he's running, He's running to his children. He's running to his wife. He's taking them to safety. And then his daughter, Kate, right? She's like, my puppy, right? And Jack, out of his love for his daughter, out of the father's love, he runs inside a burning house to save her puppy. And because of that, he ends up giving up his life. Now, I remember when I watched that, I was pissed at Kate. I was like, bruh, you're a puppy? You know, it's your father, right? Like, why would you do that? But I believe that that was a picture of his love, a father's love for their child whenever they cry out. And in the same way, and this is just a dim glimpse as to what Jesus does for us when we cry out to him. When we say, Lord, save me, he runs. He is not slow. And it may feel like he's making us wait, but many times it's because we do not recognize the things that he has already begun to do in our lives. So I believe that Peter, in this moment, what happened to him physically is a symbol and is a picture to what happens to us spiritually when we cry out to, to the Lord. And moving on, it says, you have so little faith, why did you doubt me? When they climb, climb back into the boat, the wind stopped. Now, oftentimes this phrase, um, when Jesus basically, like Peter, starts walking on water, he starts sinking, Jesus saves him, grabs him back out, and they go back into the boat. And this feels like kind of like a rebuke, right? It's like, Peter, you of little faith, why did you doubt me? And many times we may, we may feel like, man, like our faith is so small. You know, there have been times I'm like, man, if Peter has little faith, then my faith is like microscopic, right? If Peter's faith was small, then mine was like, mine is like a speck of dust, right? But I believe that even in this moment, as Jesus is gently rebuking Peter, that He's not saying that you must need great faith because Jesus has said in scriptures that if you have faith as small as a mustard seed you can say to this mountain, go and move and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Jesus himself has said that if you have small faith, even if your faith is as small as a mustard seed, nothing is impossible for you. And I think many times we equate faith with how much we feel. The faith is not dependent on how much the person believing feels. The faith is dependent on what we believe in. So I believe that. In this, it is not just a simple rebuke and saying, Peter, why did you doubt? Because it was this little faith that caused Peter to walk on water. It was this little faith that caused the storm to cease. It was this little faith that Jesus took and he used and even when Peter stumbled, even when he fell, Jesus still saved him. I believe that there is nothing to be ashamed of little faith, but Jesus is saying faith is not dependent on what you feel. Faith is not dependent on how big you feel it is. Faith is dependent on Christ alone. Do not be surprised when he takes your little belief for today, your little ounce, like tiny ounce of encouragement you have in the day-to-day and say, man, it's not good enough. I don't have the faith to pray for the sick. I just have the faith to pray in the morning for five seconds. Do not doubt what God can do with that. Do not doubt what God can do with little faith. Many times we come, we read this passage, and we think Jesus is rebuking Peter for his little faith. And yes, he calls us to believe. But he also says that even faith as small as a mustard seed in the hands of Jesus can multiply, that nothing will be impossible for you. And I believe it is better for a believer to have a little faith in Jesus than for people in the world to have great faith in riches. And we've seen great faith in the world. We've seen people rely upon their status. We've seen people rely upon their wealth. We've seen people rely upon their knowledge, their education, but even the greatest faith in the world does not compare to the smallest faith in Jesus because faith does not depend on how much you believe. Faith depends on what you believe in who you are believing in and a little faith in the hands of Jesus is like a mustard seed it is enough to make the mountains move a little faith from Peter caused him to walk on water I know Peter was not like I'm feeling so holy right now because he saw the winds he saw the waves, he stumbled but even when he stumbled it was Jesus that sustained him it was Jesus that rescued him it was Jesus that calmed the storm so where are you today and, and as, we, as we close, I just want to read the last few verses. Jesus says, why did you doubt me? When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. Then the disciples worshipped him. You really are the son of God. Now, this is an important ending to the story. Because like I said in the beginning, right before this happened, Jesus multiplied the bread and the loaves. Jesus had done miracle upon miracle. He had preached, he had fed the 5,000, and yet this was actually the first time where the disciples proclaimed. It says this is when Jesus is worshipped. Many commentaries and commentators say this is the moment where the disciples began to worship Jesus as the Son of God. This did not happen. They did not get this revelation at the end of the 5,000. They did not get this revelation when they were multiplying bread they did not get this revelation when jesus was preaching but this revelation came although it was just peter he was the only one that walked on water it said the disciples on the boat the whole boat began to worship god this was a revelation that only happened in the middle of the night after hours after ministry had stopped after service had ended after the crowds have gone away After the night fell and they had begun to wait and and wrestle and stumble and fall, it was in this moment that they got the revelation that would change their lives. You truly are the son of God. And so I believe that sometimes God allows us to go through the storms and God allows us to go through seasons of waiting Because there is a revelation at the end of it that is not for the masses, but it is for you. And God wants to bring you to a personal revelation of God's lordship that will only happen after hours. And let me encourage you, brother and sister, your faith is more than when the services start and end. But I believe that in in these moments where you feel unholy, where you might feel like your faith is small, where you might feel like the storm has been raging where you might even feel like god is too late it is in these exact moments that jesus loves to reveal himself and i believe these revelations come although in the first passage they were physically hungry in this passage it was when they were spiritually hungry that god began to move and god began to shape their being and so i just want to close by asking you guys where are you today can you hear Jesus telling you the same words that he told Peter? <clears throat> do you feel distracted? Does it feel like there are things around you that you cannot control? Can you hear Jesus calling you today? Can you hear Jesus beckoning you to come? Can you hear the gentle voice of Jesus saying, You of little faith, not as rebuke, not as a condemnation, but say, Why do you doubt? Don't you know what I can do with such small faith as yours? Don't you know what I can do, even with a tiny ounce of belief that you have? Maybe you're on your last thread. Maybe you, you feel so complacent that you barely feel anything at all, and yet there's a small tug in your heart that says, I still want God to move. Don't you know what Jesus can do with that? Don't you know what Jesus can do with these inconvenient moments? And I really feel like in, in times like these, I, 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 believe, I believe that a shift will come sooner or later. I believe that we will come to a turning point where God will begin to turn the tide of what's been happening in this season. But I believe that the call for the believer in this hour is to, is to hold on to faith, is to say yes to faith. And it does not have to seem big. It does not have to be bountiful amounts of crazy revelation, but it has to be in Jesus. It has to be in Christ. Even the smallest faith in Christ is greater than the greatest beliefs in anything else in the world. And watch, watch what God can do with a faith as small as yours. If God can cause Peter to walk on water, if God can multiply loaves of bread to feed the masses, if God can take a mustard seed faith <clears throat> to move mountains, what can he do with you today? What can he do with your five minutes of prayer in the mornings? What can he do with your, with your decision, with your choice to read the word, even when it feels dry? What can he do with you choosing to wait upon him and to believe in his promises, even if it feels like everyone else has gone away? What can he do with that?